right, so this is, uh, this is my last week with you. And uh, the real reason is it's not because I'm out of material. I'm just out of new ties. So I got plenty of ties. Please don't anybody give me any ties. I got like probably 100 of them at home, but they're all ugly. They're all out of style. I, I, I happen to have four I like, and this is my fourth one, so I'm done. Okay? So uh, my jaw dropped when I heard it. In fact, I was stopped in my tracks, and, and this, it wasn't even spoken to me. But I heard it real clear. I overheard one of my spiritual mentors say something to another friend of mine. And the power of the statement that I heard, it arrested me. It stopped me cold. The mentor, who was trying to, trying to uh, encourage my friend and give him a, a hopeful look at the future, because my friend was kind of down the dumps. He was not living out the life that God had created him for. My, my mentor friend was trying to kind of raise him up and raise his awareness of how great God is and what God could do and wants to do through him and in him. He made this statement to him that arrested me. This is what my mentor friend said to my other friend. He said, this is what I hear God saying to you. You have settled for measure when I want to give you abundance. He said, here's what I hear God saying to you. You have settled for measure when God wants to give you abundance. Well, that statement, it haunted me. And it wasn't even spoken to me. But when I heard it, I knew it could have been. I knew he could have spoken that to me. And it, all too often, it's true of me. And I'm really afraid that it's all too often true of most of us. And there's no reason, because if you think of what Jesus has told us about what he wants to do in us and through us, it makes no sense that we would settle for measure. See, I remind you that Jesus promised us in his word, he promises, I have come to bring life and have it to the full. In fact, some of you are more familiar with the King James Version. It says this, I have come to bring life and life more abundantly. Not measure, but abundance. But you and I, we settle for measure. Hey, it gets worse. Jesus further promises in John chapter 4, verse 14, he says this, Whoever drinks the water I will give him will never thirst. It will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The image Jesus paints is one of a life so full, so fulfilling, that the, the spring inside this person just wells up, continually wells up, wells up to overflowing. Man, this is the life we were created for. This is the life Jesus says, I've come to bring. It's a life lived from overflow. Not a life of measure. It's a life of abundance, Jesus says. So look around. Is this the life that's commonly experienced by those of us in the church? I mean, let's be honest. Is this the life? I mean, look at the people around you. Or look at your own life. That's better. Is this true of you? You have this life that's overflowing with joy and love and hope. Right? Overflowing by this, this spring of water inside you that just fires you up and gives you purpose for another day. Is that what you see around you? Is that true of you? Hey, if not, what is wrong? What happened? That's my question this morning. What happened? Because Jesus, I know he tells the truth. He says, I've come to bring life to the full. I've come to bring the abundant life. I've come to bring a life that you live from overflow. And I look around and you know what happens? I ask people all the time, hey, how you doing? In fact, that's usually my, my normal greeting. You know what I hear most often, especially in the church? I say, how you doing? I hear, getting by. You know, I'm hanging in there, Pastor. 
You know the one I hear most often? Surviving. I'm surviving. And I'm thinking, what happened here? If life to the full is what Jesus promised, and God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, why are we not experiencing this kind of life he promised? A life from overflow. A life from abundance. Something's not right. I actually think I know the answer. Otherwise, I wouldn't be standing here. I think I know the answer. You know what it is? We've settled. Like my other friend, we have settled for measure. When God wants to give us, when God has promised us abundance. And if God has promised us abundance, I've got to tell you right now, I don't want to settle for measure. If he's promised us life for the full, I don't want to settle for getting by. I don't want to settle for surviving. I want to thrive. I want to live the life that God created me for. Don't you? Of course you do. So how do we do it? You know what the problem is? I'm, I'm afraid that many of us have settled for this life of measure because we... Here's, here's the problem with settling. Let me tell you that first. When you settle, when you settle for anything, it takes away all passion, all energy, all pursuit, all excitement, all movement. You just settle. You just, you accept what comes to you rather than going for anything, rather than moving towards something. And God never intended us for, to settle. He never intended us to just live. He never intended us to have life that's measure. He spoke fullness. He spoke abundance. He spoke overflow. So the question for this morning that you and I are going to tackle is, how do you do it? How do you live a life from overflow? How do we live this life? We all want it. Jesus promised it, so something's wrong that we're not living it. We've got to figure out what, what's wrong. It's not on his end. It's probably on our end. So we've probably got to look at why are we not living this life of overflow? And how do we do it? Well, if you've been awake for the last three weeks, we've already answered some of the questions about how we live a life from overflow. We've already answered that you need to know a few things about who you are and what you were created to be to order to live this life. So what we're going to do is we're going to take, we're going to take truth from the last three weeks, because it was laying a foundation for where we're going today, and then we're going to tie it into some new truth about how we live this life of abundance, how we live out the truth, the how-tos, and then we're going to tie together these truths that we've heard, some we've heard, some we haven't. And we're going to figure out, we're going to understand how we live this life from overflow. Actually, it's the life that God intended for us, this life of abundance. So that's my purpose this morning. So you've got to tighten your belts because we're going to go for it. It's my first six-point sermon. I know, I told the guys this and they're like, oh no, right? So, so we should be out by about 10.30, don't worry about it. Um, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to take three points you're familiar with from the last couple of weeks. We're going to take some three new ones. Again, we're going to weave them together. And you're going to see, we're going to develop a strategy for living a life from overflow. And it's not hard, it's not hard to understand. We'll just, we'll just see what we've got to do so we can start to live it. We start living it, you know what's going to happen? Our new church is going to be too small. If you start living from overflow, I guarantee what we're building, way too small. But it really is dependent on us. Living out the life that God has called us to. So here we go. Let me jump in. Let me, let, me te- let me give you the list of the six principles of living a life from overflow. And then what we'll do is we'll, just, we'll tease it out for the rest of the, the, the balance of the message here. But let me, let me list them for you. If you're to live a life from overflow, if I'm to live a life from overflow, you need to live out who you were created to be. So it's who you were created to be. You need to live out what you were created for. You must empty yourself 
in order to be filled by God. Fourth, you need to re- what you receive from God, you must become. You then cultivate a life that's irresistible to God. And then finally, you and I, we live out the truth. We live out loud based on who we are and what we were created for. See, if you're to live a life from overflow, from abundance, you, need, you and I need to live out these principles. You've got to be convinced of them. They guide and they drive your life. You don't add them to your life. You don't agree with them. You don't say, oh, I know those. No, it's not about knowing. It's about do you believe it? Do you own these? Do you live out of these principles? You must believe them. They become who you are and how you live. So again, we've got to get past our head knowledge and say, do we own these and believe these and then live out the truth that we believe? So I'm going to dive in. Point number one. First, you live out who you were created to be. God, God's Word, it tells us who we are. Jesus and every writer of the New Testament, every writer tells us who we are, who we were created to be. I don't need to remind you, but I think I will, about what God says about you. God's Word says this. The Bible says that you're a favored son or a favored daughter of the king. It says that you've been adopted by God, your father, and he chose you before the foundation of the world. You've been chosen before he created this planet we're on. That's how much, that's how sure he is about you. That's how much he loves you. He's adopted you as a favored son and a favored daughter. But it doesn't stop there. If that was the only truth we knew about who we were, that would be enough. I could live from overflow if I actually believed that truth. But there's more. Do you realize that God says a lot more about who you are? I'm not sure you believe it, but I'm going to list a couple of things that I found that God and his word says about who he created you to be. He says you're a co-heir with Christ, seated with him in the heavens. The Bible says you've been justified and forgiven of all your sins. You've been bought with a price, you belong to God, and you're united with him in spirit. The Bible says you're a saint, a friend of God, a citizen of heaven. That you're called the salt of the earth, the light of the world, a branch of the true vine. He's appointed you to bear fruit. You can believe in this? You get this? He says you're hidden with Christ, you're free from condemnation, and your heart of stone has been replaced with a heart of flesh. He's done the first heart transplant in you. That's how, how much he's changed you. That's how committed he is to you. He says that you're, you are the aroma of Christ, the new creation, God's temple, his workmanship, God's co-worker, and his ambassador of the good news. You've got some important roles to play in this kingdom building thing. He says you have every good gift that comes from your father's hand and everything necessary for godly living. Scripture tells us that you've been chosen by God and His Spirit lives inside you. He says that you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit and that guarantees your inheritance, so your inheritance is secure. He says you're complete in Christ and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He also says that no weapon of the evil one can stand against you. No weapon of the evil one has any chance to stand against you. And then he says that nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And you're settling for measure? I mean, come on, people. If you believe this, it's like, how could you settle for measure? Do you realize who you are? Do you realize who God created you to be? I'm not sure we believe it. Because if we did, we'd never settle for measure. The only thing we'd settle for is abundance and overflow, if we believe this. The question is, do we believe it? In fact, I've had a a bunch of those questions over the last three weeks, saying, how do I I become convinced of the truth? Because I know the truth. I'm just not sure I own it. I'm not sure I believe it. You know, how you, you know how you come to own it and believe it, convinced of it? 
time with him when no one else is looking. Not in a Bible study, not on a Sunday morning. Time with your father when no one else is looking. Getting to know him, listening to him, having him pour himself on you. You know, some of you just need some more time with your heavenly father. That's probably what your issue is. You just need some more time alone with him, with no one else around. No agenda except father me. God, show me. I want to know you more. I want to come to understand you. Listen, I am not talking about reading your Bible more because you know you should. Because your religious duty says I should do this. Don't do that. I think you should read your Bible. Don't do it out of duty. Don't, don't do stuff for God so he'll think you're swell and, and have favor on you because you're doing all these good things for him. Just let him father you. Let him show himself to you in a fresh way. Let him, let him build your confidence. You know what? You need to learn to hear his voice so that all the other competing voices in your head sound so foreign, sound so strange. You want to come to know his voice so every other voice makes no sense except his. See, when you get to know God, your father, this way, when you get to know him and see him clearly, you'll start to see yourself more clearly. You get to know him, you'll start to see what he says about you. That you really are all those things the word says about you. You'll start to believe it. And your fear and your insecurity, it fades away when you know who you are. When you see him more clearly, you start to see yourself more clearly. Fear and insecurity goes away. And you'll know who you are. You'll know what you were created for. You'll know what the Bible says about you is absolutely true. And it's the basis for living a life from overflow. You must know who you are and who God says you are. You've got to believe it. You've got to own it, people. Let's move on. Point number two. Second thing is, you need to live out the purpose that you were created for. See, Genesis 1 tells us that you and I were made in the image of God. Our sin destroyed this image, and our image was forever disfigured. Now we're all born with this marred image, and we don't know who we are or what we were created for. Every one of us was born into this identity crisis. And we spend our lives trying to find ourselves. You know, we're, we're looking for love rather than being loved. You know why? We've been cut off from the source of love, the love of God our Father. And because when this source gets cut off, we start looking everywhere, anywhere. Because we want to be, we want to know we have value. We want to know we have worth. We want to be loved. So we start looking everywhere. And you know what happens? Life decides who you are. Life decides who you're becoming all along the way. And if you let circumstances mold you, your relationship with God will be totally dependent on how life is treating you. And if life's not treating you well, you know what happens? Your relationship with the Father goes out the window. Because you're letting circumstances mold you rather than the truth of who you are and what he's created you to be. And the problem is, if you start letting circumstances mold you, life becomes all about you. It becomes all about you and your needs and your hurts and your plans and your happiness. You know what happens then? You, you remain self-conscious, self-serving, self-focused, and self-absorbed. And you'll be disappointed, dissatisfied, and distant from the life God created you for. It's no fun. Most other people are doing it. You may be doing it too. You've got to believe the truth. You've got to know who you are and what you were created for. So here's what God did. God sent his son, Jesus, to remedy this identity crisis that we have. He put his spirit back inside us to restore us back to the image of God. In fact, 
His Spirit now in us, we're restored to original design. It's an awesome plan. It was God's purpose for you from the beginning. Jesus shed His blood so your purpose could be restored. Get this. God actually thinks that your life is worth the death of His Son so He could put His Spirit in you. That's how valuable God sees your life. That's how valuable God sees you in this kingdom building thing. You were created to bear the image of God to a world that does not know who they are or what they were created for, but you know. And since you know, you bring light and truth into every situation you walk into. You bear the image of God. You carry His light. You carry His truth. You fill the world with His light. It dispels the darkness all around us because of the one who lives inside us. It's the light and truth in us. That's what God has created us for. Matthew 5.16 Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. That's how it works. See, that's God's plan. You know what he says? He says, you shine the light I've put in you. People will see the light. And you know what happens? They come to know the Father. They see the light in you. They say, what's that? You tell them, and they come to know God the Father. That's his plan. That's what he created you for. That's the life of abundance. That's a life from overflow. That's the life we were created to live. It's a simple plan, but you've got to let the light shine through. You've got to get the light in you. And then let it shine out through you. If you want to live from overflow, the basis for you and I is to know who we are, who God says we are, and believe it. And then we've got to know what we were created for. We've got to know His purpose for us. To fill the earth with His image. Next, you must be empty if you're to be filled. I think this is where we get tripped up. You must be empty if you're to be filled. See, God puts His Spirit in us, but you have to be empty first in order for Him to fill you. It's the principle of volume. The more room you make for a filling, the greater the amount of that filling. The amount that can be put into an empty vessel. See, if you're full of yourself, you know what happens? You have to settle for a top-off of God's Spirit. Not a whole lot of spirit in you if you're full of yourself. If you don't empty yourself first, very little room for His Spirit to, to invade your life. And then what happens is you pour yourself out on behalf of others, and there's not a whole lot of spirit to go around because you've only had the top off. And then all that's left is you. And I've got to tell you, you, you're a nice person, but nothing supernatural, no power, no grace, not much value to anybody. You are. His Spirit in you, A lot of value. A lot of power. Man, transforms people. You're supposed to pour out yourself because you're filled with Him, not yourself. See, if we're to live from overflow, we have to empty ourselves first. You don't get filled without emptying yourself prior to the filling. Here's our problem. We often choose to incorporate God into our lives for a better one rather than a transformed one. See, a little spirit makes our life a little better. It doesn't transform us. And God says, I want to transform you. So when you pour yourself out, it's my spirit you're giving away. Power, supernatural power, grace that God has put inside you. You just have to empty yourself first. See, you know what happens? We settle. We settle for measure when God has promised us abundance. You can only take in measure if you're still full of yourself. You can take an abundance when you've emptied yourself first and He pours in His Spirit abundantly. I don't get this because the Bible says that when we decide to follow Jesus, we die to self. 
It's no longer I who live, but Christ Jesus who lives in me. That's what, that's what a Christ follower does. We empty ourselves by, by dying to ourselves. And we know that empty vessels can carry a lot of spirit. That's why we die to self. That's why we empty ourselves. When you empty yourself, you, you die to self. You surrender your will. You surrender and give Jesus control. You give him control of everything. You let him lead and direct your path. You no longer rely on your own understanding. You listen to him. You trust him rather than yourself. That's what dying to self, that's what emptying yourself means. See, if you're to live a life from overflow, you continually make room for more of God's spirit to fill you more and more, more and more. Because then you have a lot to give away. You have a lot of impact. You have a lot of power because it's God's spirit in you impacting others. We empty ourselves, so why? So he can fill us. That's why we empty ourselves. Next, what you receive from God, you must become. What you receive from God, you must become. Think of this. God gives you grace so you can become a grace-filled person. So you can extend grace to others. It's not only for you. He gives you grace so you'll treat people how they need to be treated, not how they deserve to be treated. God gives you grace so you'll return contempt with kindness. You'll return curses with blessing. See, God gives you grace so you can put others' others' needs ahead of your, your own. So that in humility, you'll actually consider others better than yourself. You'll put them first. See, God shows you grace so you'll then show unmerited favor to someone who's in desperate need. You know why? So then they can advance, they can succeed, they can grow, and they can prosper. That's why God shows you and I grace. He loves us, yeah, but he wants to He wants to make you a grace-filled person. So he pours grace on you so you'll give it away. God shows us mercy so we'll become full of mercy when wronged. So we'll offer mercy rather than getting hurt and offended. You and I, I, we settle for measure because we'd rather be hurt and offended. And God says, I've shown you mercy so you'll show mercy rather than be hurt, rather than take offense. We don't demand justice insisting on our rights. Instead, we surrender our rights so we can demonstrate the mercy of God when wronged. We can just demonstrate patience in affliction and endurance in hardship. That's what we're called to. That's why God gives us mercy. God show us, shows us mercy so we can bear up under the weight of unjust criticism and hurtful comments and accusation and injustice. God's poured mercy all over you. So you'll respond to injustice differently than the world. So they'll see something different. They'll see a hope that's in you. They'll see a light in the power that's in you. If that's why God has shown you mercy... So you can become a merciful person rather than a hurt, offended victim like everybody else. God extends forgiveness to us. Why? So we can offer forgiveness to people who desperately need it. And everybody needs it. Do you realize that? Do you realize that everybody needs forgiveness? Everybody screws up. And they need forgiveness from us and not judgment. God offers us forgiveness for our selfishness and our stupidity, our arrogance and our anger, our pettiness and our pride. God gives us forgiveness. Get this. God offers us forgiveness even when we know we've done wrong. And when we don't. It was Jesus who said, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. That's the forgiveness of Jesus. So we're shown forgiveness so we can offer forgiveness to those who have hurt us. Freeing them from guilt and shame and condemnation. See, we forgive as the Lord forgave us, not because they deserve it, but because they desperately need it. We received it. Now we extend it. We receive, and then we become what we receive. 
God shows us unfailing love so we can be, we can show the unfailing love of the Father to people who are looking for love in all the wrong places. We don't point out where they're wrong. Rather, we demonstrate truth and grace to them. We don't condemn them for their mistakes. We show them a more excellent way. That's what, that's what we do. Those of us with God's Spirit in us, we show them a better way rather than condemn them. See, our consistent, unrelenting love for them gives them confidence and peace. Our unwavering commitment to others and their best interest brings out their best when we're, we show our commitment to their best interest. Our patient endurance, it lets them fail without feeling like it's fatal. And our belief in them, it lifts their spirit, it lifts their view, and it gives them a hope and a future where they were just felt hopeless. That's what we do, those of us with unfailing love in us. See, the, our unfailing love for them in the face of their bad choices is the very thing that convinces them of the unfailing love of God the Father in heaven. They see it. It's demonstrated in us, through us, to them. That's how they come to believe, because they've seen it in us, because we showed them what the unfailing love of the Father looks like. People, God wants us to become what we've received. Jesus said it this way, freely you've received, freely give. God wants to reproduce himself in you. That's why he put his spirit inside you. You are his ambassador. You are his representative to hurting people all around to show the unfailing love and grace and mercy and forgiveness of the Father in heaven. Whatever we receive, we're called to become. Man, if we're to live from overflow, we have to become what we have received. If you want to live from overflow, you've got to cultivate a life that's irresistible to God. We talked about this last week. You and I need to grow in the areas and the qualities where, that God finds irresistible, so much so that he can't help himself but get involved and move powerfully both in you and through you. You and I need to cultivate a life of spiritual hunger and compassion and faith, a faith that expresses itself through love. God finds those, those qualities irresistible. You know, you stir up your hunger in you by desiring to grow. A desire to grow is a desire to change, a desire to be stretched, to become something you aren't right now. The problem with most of us is that we lack, a desi- we lack spiritual hunger because we don't want to grow. We don't want to change. We're comfortable the way we are. It might not be much, but it, it's not as much work as changing, as growing. But a willingness to change is, is, frankly, at the foundation of living a life from overflow. Overflow. Flow. Constantly moving. Constantly changing. Man, we've we got to be willing to change if we want to live from overflow. Living from overflow demands that we are continually in need of more. More of God's Spirit, more of His presence, His power, His filling. See, people who are growing are constantly hungry for more. That's the truth about those of us who are growing. See, you, you, stir, you, you see people as Jesus sees them. That's the foundation for seeing them with compassion. If you don't see their need, your heart won't be moved. And if your heart's not moved, you're not going to move in and step into a situation to show the love of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, to someone who looks okay on the outside, but they're pretty desperate shape on the inside. See, we get to show the love of God. We get to be the hands and feet of Jesus. By seeing the needs around us and stepping in and showing the compassion and the love of Jesus to hurting people all around us. You know, the Spirit of God that lives in us, He's dying to get out. The Spirit of God in you is dying to get out. He wants to get out through your eyes as you see people, through your hands as you touch people, through your words as you bless people and pray for people. 
The compassion of Jesus just flows out of people who are filled with His Spirit. Can't help it. And since we're connected to a source of love that only Christ followers have available to us, we love people. Not just people who love us back, but we love all people, period. We have a love that never fails, it never runs out, it never gives up on us. We can love those who hate us, do good to those who hurt us, and give, seeking nothing in return. You know why? Because it's the exact love that Jesus showed us. And because we've been shown it, now we can demonstrate it and give it away. See, Jesus modeled the life that you and I were intended to live. He modeled the life from overflow. It's the life you and I are supposed to be living. So now we follow his example. Why? Because we love him. We want to honor him. So we follow his example. That's why we, I think we sung it in a couple different songs. We want to be like Jesus. We follow him. We imitate him. We know that the only thing that matters is faith expressing itself through love. So we choose to demonstrate love no matter what. Even when we're wrong, even when we get hurt, we love people. That's because we have a source of love inside us that allows us to do this. And when we do it, God sees our faith and he gives us grace in the moment so we can do what others cannot do. What we could not do even before we asked for it. God gives us the grace we love and people say, that can't be them. And they get an interest in knowing what's the hope that's inside you. What's this power you have? Because you love people that don't love you, that can't do anything for you. It's the, it's the power supplied by the one who's living inside us. And finally, to live out of overflow, we live out the truth. We live out the truth of who we are and what we were created for. See, your life is the sermon. The, the way you live is the message. You're an epistle written on the hearts of men. That's how Paul puts it. People see Jesus in your life, in your words, in your actions, in your eyes. They see someone who's died to self and found a better way to live. And they say, I don't know what it is, but I want that. They see a peace and a joy and contentment that's so winsome and so compelling. They're drawn to you. They're drawn to the light inside you. In fact, they see a light and power in you that's supplied by the one living inside us. I remind you what Romans 8.11 says. Romans 8.11 tells us that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me. You carry a light that dispels darkness and a truth that sets people free. Free from the bondage of their sin and shame. Free from the lies that shackle them. Your light, your truth frees them. That's a life lived from overflow. And this life flows out of you. Why? Because you're filled, not of yourself, but of the Spirit of God. Supernatural power. It's Him living through you. You live out of overflow because it's no longer you who live, it's Christ who lives in you, who, Christ who lives through you. This overflow comes from the living water inside of you. And we can do this. We can live like this. God has promised it. Because we don't do this alone. There is one inside us who helps us, who empowers us to live like this. He promises to do it. God says this. He says, I will help you. I will be with you. I sat in the cafe over here. And I just made a list of all the, all the promises God makes to you and me, right out of his word, promises for us so we recognize that we're not alone, that he is willing to help us and empower us to live this kind of life. Sat right over there. He says, I'm going to prove to you I am Emmanuel. I am God with us. 
I'm going to show you that I will never leave you or forsake you. I will always be with you. That's why I put my spirit in you. Because I'm there all the time. That's why he put his spirit inside us. Because we would, we would have his power, his wisdom available to us in all situations. We don't live a life from scarcity or lack or depletion like everybody else. We can live from overflow because of the one who helps us and lives inside us. So here's a list I came up with. A list of promises that God has made to you and I. Again, I know you know them. I'm not convinced we believe them. But I'm going to list them for you because I want you and I to leave here convinced that we can live a life from overflow because it's He who supplies the power to do it. God says this to you and I right from His Word. God promises to help us, keep us, protect us, cover us, rescue us, free us, open doors for us, make ways for us, speak to us, comfort us, grow us, sustain us, provide for us, be with us, show us, amaze us, enable us, mold us, invite us, empower us, embolden us, encourage us, reach us, favor us, change us, heal us, reward us, anoint us, seal us, develop us, pursue us, lead us, feed us, guide us, forgive us, strengthen us, and love us. Yeah, thank you. And you and I are settling for measure. There's something wrong with this picture, people. God has given us everything we need to live a life from overflow. That's the kind of God He is. He helps us. And those are 40 different ways, and I didn't list them all. That's all I could come up with. There's more. His Spirit lives inside us. So we have power to live this out, to live from overflow. This is the life that you and I were created for. So come on, church. You were made for this. I'd have you stand, and I'm going to close in prayer, and then we're going to, we're going to sing a song. I think. We got time? You know what? We'll close in prayer. I, I... Hey, hey. Six-point sermon, and I'm done a minute early. That is, yeah. Thank you. Let me pray for us, okay? So, Father in heaven, we've sung how awesome you are. We're convinced of that. The truth is we need convincing about who we are, just how awesome you think we are. And it's not us. It's actually, it's your spirit living in us. But, boy, your spirit in us is powerful. Your spirit in us is transformative. Your spirit in us can change and transform people. It's your plan. It's your purpose. We want to let our light shine in such a way that people see what's inside us, and then they, man, they, they come to know the Father in heaven. That's, that's our desire and our hope and our plan. I know it's your plan. We just want to come underneath it and say, God, we, we want to be about your plan. We want to see Fairfield County and beyond be reached with the, the good news of Jesus, who gives us all the power to do this. So help us to believe who we are and what we were created for. Help us to die to self, to empty ourselves. Help us to become what you've given to us. Help us, Lord, to live a life that's absolutely irresistible to you. And then give us the courage to live out loud, to live it out with our life so people see the difference and they ask about the hope that's within us. That's our desire. That's our prayer, God. So we, your children, say, pour it on and we will receive it and then empower us to live it out. And all God's people said, amen.